Welcome to episode 179 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we preview week two of the NRL final series and the Challenge Cup final. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 179 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Week one of the NRL final series is in the bag. Are you pumped now? Does it feel like an NRL final series? Oh, Dr. T, the feelings have come back, the feelings of excitement, the feelings of of anticipation to work out who exactly are the Challenge Cup finals, uh, finals going to be and who's going to take out the Challenge Cup for 2020. You know, what an amazing set of finals that we've had, you know, Leeds and, uh, and ourselves. And who would have thought, you know, um, Oh wait, but in terms of the NRL, um, yeah, it was great. It was uh, it was it was good. Lots of uh, comeback victories. A few blowouts in the finals. Is that expected in the eight man system, eight team system? I should say that uh, every year we should expect a landslide uh, victory from uh, from one of the teams. Like last year was Brisbane and Parramatta. Now it's uh, <laughs> this year was uh, Rabbitohs and uh, Knights. But yeah, look, I thought overall it was uh, it was great. I think that, yeah, some of the games are fantastic, and uh, you know, uh, oof, yeah, look, I think uh, the Panthers, the Storm were really really impressive, and I think some of the other teams uh, have, you know can 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 win as well. So, how about yourself, Doctor T? What what was your synopsis? What was your overall thoughts of the uh, actual uh, actual final series week one? Well, the NRL week one uh, is always a bit of a mixed bag because of our of our system where we've got the top four playing each other with, uh, you know, really, really, it's a, the, 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 look, the final series, the week one anyway, is always a case of carrot and stick. You know, the top four, there's really nothing to play for except for that week off. And... Mm. And really, so that's the carrot approach, which is, you know, you're not really fearing losing. It's more about who's hungrier to get that week off. Uh, you know, statistically, there's a better chance that, you know, it, especially with this weird season that we've had, where if you've got, you know, kind of injuries and, and an injury cloud over your team, you do want that week off in week two because you do need mm. to recover. You do need to do what you need to do. Statistically, you know, the, the teams that are on top generally win these first up kind of qualifying finals, I guess you would call them, uh, to, to get to, the, to week three, uh, the, the, the penultimate uh, round of the competition. Uh, and so you do want to be there if possible. Um, and you also want to show that you – so if you're going to ambush anyone, if you're going to upset anyone, this is a time to do it because 
you know, and this is really the time to beat the likes of, uh, you know, the Melbourne Storm because uh, it's just almost a, a, a fait accompli that they would win this kind of game and give themselves the best opportunity in week three and then come out all guns blazing because uh, they, they do that all the time. And so this is really the opportunity to do it. And then you've got the bottom half of the draw where teams five to teams eight play the elimination uh, finals. And really that's the stick approach. And th- this is where you really find out who ha- which teams have the best kind of clutch players, which teams are best in sudden death. This is an opportunity for some of those teams to kind of really uh, show show the rest of the competition, especially the losers of the top four games, that uh, they've got teams breathing down their neck and they really need to kind of step up their game. So really, this is also the opportunity to sort of not just defeat your opponent, but really show that you, you belong in that top six and so, you know, with that in mind, let's let's launch into what happened in round one of uh, of uh, an unprecedented year of NRL COVID affected NRL. Shall we get into the first of the six tackles? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Tackle number one. All right, so final series week one. Uh, look, let's start off with the first game. So, Team 1 versus Team 4, and this is a red-hot Penrith Panthers that had uh, come off, you know, what was it, 15 gazillion game mm. wins in a row? Yeah, something like that. And up against a Roosters team that had just been demolished by the Rabbitohs 60 points to 8 the week before, and you would you would be forgiven for thinking that it would be a similar blowout, but it wasn't to be. It ended up being the Panthers winning this one, twenty nine to twenty eight. Tish, yeah. I'm going to give you the first opportunity to tell us what you thought of of this match. Uh, certainly, for me, in my mind, a bit unexpected in terms of the closeness of the scores, but definitely. Um, you know, definitely one of those games that it was really high quality from start to finish. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, probably, yeah, to me, the match of the round, match of the finals, uh, week one of the final series has to go to the Penrith Panthers versus the New Roosters. It was a great game. It was a great atmosphere at a Penrith team. I really liked the fact that uh, that Penrith actually got to play the week one of the finals. I found it interesting that throughout the whole commentary, they mentioned something which is quite interesting as well, which was um, no matter what, uh, happened in the outcome of the game. The Sydney Roosters knew for sure their next game would be at the Sydney Cricket Ground, whereas the Penrith Panthers, who finished on top, um, they didn't know where if they were going to play at ANZ or Parramatta Stadium for week week, uh, you know, which whatever game is next for them. I was like, oh, you know, does it, um, you know, is Penrith? I thought, you know, Panther Stadium was, I thought was like a right venue for week one, and I think it'd be a week a good venue for week two and week three in onwards. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, the actual game itself was fantastic. You know, the Roosters started uh, off, I think they led 10-0. They might have even led a bit more than that, maybe uh, 12-0 actually, I think, um, within the first sort of 10, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the game. And, uh, you know, it, they were certainly on top of the Panthers and it looked kind of, uh, 
ominous for the Panthers, but then uh, suddenly they clicked into gear, um, you know, scored some great tries, you know, got a bit of ball and, uh, and you know, and they were on fire and then, you know, they led, uh, you know, right up until the end and then uh, they got a comfortable lead. I think they were leading uh, and then, uh, you know, Cleary had kicked the field goal, but then miraculously with one minute to go, um, the Roosters then scored, a, you know, a try and it gave themselves a bit of an opportunity to try and at least level it or try and win it out with the try of the final play, um, you know. But then, you know, when you've only got like less than a minute to go, um, that's when the championship hour comes through and uh, probably a bit disappointing from a Luke Keery um, Flanagan point of view, Kyle Flanagan, because, you know, neither of the halves were able to step up uh, right at the last minute to send this into overtime or, or whatever the chances are. So, look, a really great effort from uh, Penrith. And I've got to say, my standout was not necessarily Nathan Cleary, but more his halves partner in Jerome Luai. I think this was the coming out party for Luai. He was he was absolutely sensational. If you look at all the tries that Penrith scored, he his hand was on every single one of them. Um, a bit like uh, Cody Walker is for the Panthers at the moment. You know, he's kind of the less dominant half, but the one that comes up with the really... Uh, creative plays to send their team to victory. So, look, well done to Penrith, and it kind of showed why they're the team uh, to beat at the moment, why they finished so well. And they get one week off, which is a huge advantage now. So, um, you know, a, a chance to rest players and so forth. And looking for the Roosters, they got slaughtered last week. They, uh, you know, they lost very narrowly this week. I don't know how next week's going to look for them, but we can talk about that a bit later. Your thoughts, Dr. T? Yeah, I think you summarised it really well there. I think, uh, you know, let's not forget, if you look at the stats, Nathan Cleary got a (laughs) hat-trick. You know, like, that's pretty good uh, for his first kind of... uh, Is it his first win in the finals, or uh, maybe I'm mistaken? It could be. Yeah, so, I mean, Mm. did really well. And look, this this is definitely the coming of age of Nathan Cleary. So... You know, not not to harp on about it too much, but I wonder whether the early uh, COVID-related scandal that he was involved in kind of was a wake-up call to him uh, and, yeah. and and kind of got him to turn, you know, I wouldn't say turn his life around. It wasn't like mm. if he, he majorly stuffed up, but it was, uh, you know, at a time when when there was heightened sensitivities in terms of, people's behaviour and NRL players' behaviours as well, especially at a time when they were trying to come back uh, as a as the first, you know, kind of big professional league to come back to playing uh, the sport. And so really, look, he has definitely, like, regardless of, uh, you know, the, the specifics around um, performances on the night, I think overall you look at that Nathan Cleary has had a hand in a lot of, uh, the success of Penrith uh, this year, and it is as much a story about him maturing as a player as it is as an individual. Hopefully, uh, well, that's what we're seeing anyway. It could be totally wrong. <laughs> he could be totally an immature jerk off the field. I don't know, but it certainly doesn't look like that. And then with a, a dad like Ivan, you would think mm-hmm. that it's sort of, um, as his coach, none, <laughs> no less than that, uh, yeah, he would have had some very difficult conversations with him about what he needs to do to get on with the job of focusing and, and really growing up as a man. And look, it looks like something sparked within them and then all of a sudden they've gone on an almost unbeaten streak 
since the return of uh, from COVID and so uh, or from the COVID shutdown. So look, um, you know, Penrith well done. I would say I would say that it's fair to say that the score flattered the Roosters a little bit, uh, despite it being a high quality match. I think um, you know. I would have been happy with it staying 29 to 22. I think that would have been a fair, that final mm. consolation try. I think what that shows, that's a bit of a lapsing concentration for yeah. the Penrith Panthers. And, and look, we've said this many times before, a lot of these games, when we review them uh, after the fact, you look at the stats, you look at how it feels like when you watch the game, and then you look at the stats and you think, geez, they didn't score anything in the second half. Not, not in this, in this case, they scored nothing in the last 30 minutes, pretty much, until Cleary put the field goal up with three minutes to go. So yeah. to me, it's it's a bit of, you know, they let the Roosters get back into this match in the, the I guess you could say, the, the third quarter of the match. Um, you know, yeah. that's when the Roosters really ramp up and go up a level and... Panthers still need to do that. So there's a lot of learnings to be taken from that, I think. Yeah. I think the Panthers, uh, they pretty much, I would say, a lucky escape because it could have been a, a first-up loss and that would have been not, you know, it would have not been justice in terms of uh, the way, the they, way they played. Yeah. yeah, the way they've played this year. So mm. my final thoughts on that are it's, it was a bit of a lucky escape. They probably deserve to be a little bit further ahead on the scoreboard. A lot of learnings there in terms of growing up, and it is about the, the young Panthers growing up and maturing. And But they got one under their belt, and that's the main thing. They got the win. But from here on in, they've got a week to settle in, or two weeks, to um, tend to their injuries, the uh, the Panthers licking their wounds, <laughs> wounds, so to speak, for two weeks. And then it's sudden death. So then they're one win away from the grand final. I think that's when we'll see what they're really made of because the whole ball game changes. There's pressure abound, mm. and it's all about that final. Again, it's not so much fear of losing, fear of choking, because to them they've already got that first up win. It's not they're not going to go out in straight sets, mm. and, and so that's the fear of choking is not so much. It's about who's hungrier to get to that prize of the grand final spot. And uh, depending on who they're up against, and I believe if, uh, and we'll talk about it later, I believe they'll be up against uh, one of the other two Sydney teams that are in it, which will be either the Eels or the Rabbitohs. So that's going to be a either a blockbuster Western Sydney showdown or a blockbuster showdown regardless with the, with the Rabbitohs. So that's game one. <laughs> that's a bit of a long one, but it, it was... Probably deserved a bit of a longer description because I think uh, it was, as you said, very high quality. The next game, not as high quality, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> but um, nonetheless, uh, a pretty good game. Uh, the Raiders, 32-20 over the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. Tish, uh, that means that we say goodbye to Cronulla uh, for mm. the year. Um, it was... Bye-bye, Cronulla. <laughs> It was a, a repeat of the week of the performance the week before, where Raiders beat the Sharks 38-28. So the difference was only two two higher this time to the, to the Raiders 12 point win. But look, um, very interesting. Uh, you know, six tries to three. I mean, pretty obvious that uh, this was uh, you know 
the only thing really that kept them in, and I think, was two two penalty goals to the Sharks. So it should, this one should have been something like thirty two to sixteen. It should have been pretty much a very, much more comfortable win than what it was uh, on the scoreboard. But again, the key players here, you know, you you see Jack Whiten always trying to spark something. You did get a consolation uh, try at the end there to Katoa to the Sharks, but really. Sharks have been rudderless since uh, Sean Johnson has uh, been knocked out with injury. Um, What are your thoughts there, Tish, about the Raiders and the Sharks? Yeah, well, look, uh, I believe, uh, you know, the Raiders sort of skipped out to a bit of a lead uh, in this game. And then, uh, and then, you know, the, you know, the Raiders, I'm sorry, the Sharks sort of came back here and there and it was, um, yeah, look, a very interesting contest to, to say the least, sort of thing, just the way it all sort of uh, panned out uh, for them. And, uh, yeah, and I think, uh, to be honest, you know, like they sort of scored two tries and one at the end. And I think the Raiders, yeah, Whiten stood out. Uh, George Williams, I think, scored uh, some great tries. He, he scored a uh, an intercept try, which uh, – or he, no, sorry, he didn't quite score that try. He came very close uh, with an intercept try and uh, showed, it, showed a bit of his speed, which was – you know, fantastic. And I think the thing about the Raiders is that um, I'm not too sure how good they are. Like, if you ask me what a 10 out of 10 Raiders team looks like, I'm not too sure if it's this performance. I don't think it was. I think it's probably more of a, a, a 7 out of 10 sort of thing. So a bit like the Panthers, as you kind of mentioned, I think the Raiders have improved it to go as well. And I think if they play anything up to their potential in the next three weeks, um, I think they'll be a very hard team for anybody to beat. You know, they're big pack of forwards. They sort of always, you know, stood up, you know, make some meters and things like that, So, which is which is really exciting for them. You know, in terms of injuries, uh, I think their injury roster, I think their roster, apart from, you know, the the obvious changes that they've had, I think it's pretty pretty solid um, at the moment sort of thing. So, so well done. And I think, look, any team that's got, um, you know, uh, Papali uh, in it, who I believe ran over 137 metres um, and a forward pack, what that they do. And, you know, they're always going to have a shot as well uh, winning it. So, And I think the Raiders, I think one of the criticisms has also been their, their inability to score tries, but they've got a few try-scoring weapons out there as well. Um, you know, Rappiner and um, Jared Croker. And, um, you know, so, so I think I think the, the Raiders, um, they would have been happy with this win, maybe not 100% happy with their performance. And I think we all knew that Cronulla, you know, they did well to make it to the top eight, but they're basically in a bit of transition. Be interesting to see how they'll go next year. Uh, you know, they've got quite a lot of players that are sort of maybe past their prime, and a few young players that need an opportunity as well. Uh, that you know that they need to develop as well. So it'd be very interesting how they handle their roster moving forward. I actually think sometimes Cronulla look the best when. They've got their uh, second team playing, um, and um, you know it's uh, yeah it's kind of interesting how that sort of plans out. And uh, yeah, as you said, Rudderless without Sean Johnson, and uh, you know if they did have Johnson, if they had Moylan, if they had a few more of their stars, it could have been interesting. But they unfortunately due to injury that they, they weren't able to. So you know Raiders, uh, you know they're, they're still in it, and um, last year's grand finals, and uh, I believe they have a rematch with the Roosters this week, so that will be. Very, very interesting. Absolutely. And just my final word on this particular match, we bid 
farewell to the Sharks. But look, they were actually in front 14-10 at half time. So wow. the, uh, I think the interesting thing here is that, you know, when the season was on the line, the Raiders pulled it out of the bag. And I think you can thank Ricky Stewart for that because I think he's a kind of coach that is going to give you a spray at half time and remind mm. you of what what's at stake. And I think... Uh- Yep. And I think the so, fact that was sort of echoed by the fact that they had pretty much, you know, five unanswered tries uh, from just before half time till, you know, I would say 15 minutes or so to the end. And and really, that's kind of Cam, that's what Canberra's capable of. They're, they're capable of getting on that momentum, getting on that role. I would be pretty fearful if I was the Roosters um, because. I think what they showed, even though it was a lower quality opposition, obviously, than the Penrith Panthers, but I think what they showed is that when they need to, they'll turn it on. And they're able to rise to the occasion and get their act in order. And I think, uh, and once they do, they kind of, I wouldn't say unstoppable, but, you know, a lot of their key players all stepped up. And so I think that's a key thing to think about. Tish, your final word on this, you are about to say? Well, I was just going to say their coach, he is Tricky Ricky, right? He is a trickster indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> speaking yeah. of Tricky, speaking of Tricky, let's go on to... Uh, uh, the Storm go. and the Eels. That's right, Storm and Eels. So, look, 36-24 was the final scoreline. I don't... Six tries to four... I don't really think, even though it was 12 all at halftime, there was a period, uh, you know, I think, again, if you look at straight out of the blocks, you've got a very tight match, but right when it counts in that sort of third quarter of the, or thereabouts of, of the match, that's when teams like the Storm, kind of ramp up and that's what i'm seeing i saw this in the panthers i'm seeing it here with the storm that's when they kind of turn it on a bit and and really kind of tighten the the clamps a little bit um you know and the fact that the storm can do it in a tight kind of uh game and then run away with it at the end is a testament to the kind of training uh the coach that they've got the kind of discipline they've got it's something that the Eels lack at the moment. Um, I'm a bit concerned as an Eels fan that after all of these, uh, you know, it seems like after every one of these sort of performances, we get Brad Arthur not really ripping into his team and talking about what they could have done better, but but trying to be positive and trying to almost feed the confidence and feed the ego of the players. I'm a bit concerned about that because at the end of the day, they lost. And they lost by 12 points to a Melbourne Storm that was absolutely beatable i mean they were they were close um you know they, they, it was 12 all at half time there is almost no reason why they should have lost their bundle in that second half but they did and and so i think that's something that eels fans are kind of sick of seeing and and they want to see something a little bit more from their team not just to say good effort it's not enough to at this level to just hang your hat on effort. I think they need to, um, they need a bit of a killer instinct. That's what they need. I think that's what mm. I've been trying to say that for a while. What is it that, 
you know, it's it's okay when you're flying high and you're on top of the table until the, the, the Panthers overtake you. And then all of a sudden the storm overtake you. And then for a brief moment, the roosters overtake you. And then for a very brief moment at the end, you were fifth. You were coming fifth up until the last 20 minutes of the season where the Raiders were sneaking into the top four. So the Eels from first position, riding high, slowly, slowly, slowly slip down the ladder, just like a snake, snakes and ladders, <laughs> and uh, a game of snakes and ladders. And look, disappointing that they lost this game. Thankfully, it wasn't a sudden death. But I really do think that if they're going to turn it around against the Red Hot Rabbitohs, that they really do need to uh, think carefully about, you know, what what's motivating them? Uh, where Where is their killer instinct? And I'm a bit concerned about the injuries that we've received as a result of this match. So we're going to talk about the previews in a, min- or in a minute or later on. But um, look, the Storm deserved this victory. They did what they need to do again. If you've got the coach that's going to fire a rocket up your team at halftime, the results speak for themselves, whether it's Ricky Stewart's Raiders or Craig Bellamy's Storm. You see the results. They're quite easy to see. Um, you'll see the team that comes out hungrier after halftime and and sticks to their plan, sticks to their discipline, and it's almost always teams like the Storm. And so, well done. Um, they do have uh, a week's break, so they I, I don't know if they've got any injuries coming out of that, but I think they'll be pretty safe um, you know, for the, the the grand final qualifiers in week three. Tish, what were your thoughts on the Storm 36 over the Eels 24? Yeah, look, I think Parramatta, you know, this is, um, I suppose, two seasons in a row that they've made the finals. This year they were sort of, they finished um, just inside the top four, which I think is an amazing effort. So now here we are at the finals. They had such a great start to the season. And, you know, they moved up a level, no doubt, this year. Um, but I think uh, I think this is kind of the game they need to sort of analyse a bit more to work out where they're going wrong. Um, you know, the first point that I've got to make is that the you know if the Eels, if you actually look at their tries, um, you know, two in the first half, two in the second half, are really you know in that sort of uh, when the clutch time is needed uh, to actually score. You know, they they really don't do that. Um, I think they're a team that can uh, can match it with other teams. Like you know, if it's sort of try for try, or if it's you know, uh, you know, encounter encounter. I think they're a team that can ride momentum as well. I think if they get a bit of momentum, they can be on a roll and suddenly put sixty on a team. I think they've got that sort of talent. Uh, but I think where they, they they've kind of uh, need to improve on for me is when the momentum is with the other team and how they handle. Um, that and 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 how do they sort of get back into it so they could you know retake the momentum or let the pendulum swing a bit more their way? Um, and I think they yeah, there's a routine that uh, to me they, they sort of get frustrated a little too quickly as well. Um, you know they, they're not the yeah maybe it's it's to do with their with their side you know maybe a bit of impatience and things like that. But I think they've just got to keep keep building tries try after try try. Uh, look, on the flip side, the, the Storm, they're a professional outfit. Um, they get the job done. They've been in plenty of final series. Everybody seems to work together into their system. So they just, you know, Melbourne Storm were Melbourne Storm. There's, you know, it was a typical Melbourne Storm final series appearance. And 
You know, a, a, a bit concerning that they probably didn't score uh, that many, you know, in the last 20 minutes as well. But I didn't think they had to, so they kind of did what they needed to do. Uh, the other thing about the Storm that I do want to highlight is that I believe that they've been leaking quite a number of points over the last few weeks. Um, you know, even when they bit the Tigers a few weeks ago by more than 50, you know, the Tigers have put 24 on them. Uh, and you can see Parramatta put 24 on them as well. Um, so, you know, if it was probably, uh, <laughs> you know, if you, if, you, if you look at it from that point of view, uh, they have been leaking a lot more tries than what they normally do. Um, you know, normally it's very hard to score four tries against the Storm, but teams have been doing that easily. I don't know if it's because they've had a renewed focus on an attack or what the situation is with them. Um, but I think they need to address that, and maybe this extra week off for them, uh, they will. And for Parramatta, look, um, I know they've got injuries, but all is not lost. Obviously, we'll talk about them in a bit um, for round two. All right. Final game, Rabbitohs 46, uh, finishing off the night season 20. It was uh, a close one. It was At halftime, it was 20 points to 14. And just like I said before, you know, the, the – the Rabbitohs then came out all guns blazing in the second half. Um, you know, must be that super coach, Wayne Bennett there, that knows what he needs to do to fire up the players, remind them of uh, how important this is. And and look, they just uh, looked unstoppable. And they scored, again, close to 50 points. They did leak a few points there. So that's I think that's what a little bit to be expected by the Rabbitohs. But again... I, I would have to say that, you know, a major star uh, in the rising at the moment is Cody Walker. Once again, uh, he's in everything. And, and without him, I think they would really, uh, well, I wouldn't say they would struggle, but they wouldn't really get to that next level that we know that they're capable of. So Cody Walker, hats off. Um, you know, you defeated Bradman's best in the Knights, unfortunately. <laughs> scored a try, Bradman. But, but look... At the end of the day, uh, the Knights, you know, they, they showed some glimpses during the season of mm. what they could do, but when it counted, they just weren't able to put it together. All the momentum was against them. All the momentum towards this stage of the season is all for the Rabbitohs at the moment. Yeah, They're on a bit of a high. I would say their Roosters game last week would, would uh, you know, push them a little bit further than they would have uh, probably anticipated. Although, having said that, they were only kind of ahead by a little bit at halftime, so they got brought back to earth pretty quickly and remembered, I guess they realised that they need to sort of dig in and do the work and uh, look against a the team coming, uh, well, it was a team that came seventh on the ladder, um, you know, it wasn't really going to be too much of a stretch to, to see the Rabbitohs win this one, but they did it well, they did what they needed to do and Tish... What are, the, what are your thoughts on this and what are the signs, uh, that, mm. the, the lessons that they can take with them into the next round? Yeah, well, look, uh, firstly, on the Knights, they did skip out to a lead uh, again and I think they got to 14-0 uh, before the Rabbitohs turned on. And I think uh, all of a sudden the Rabbitohs woke up <laughs> and then uh, they were leading by half-time. Uh, so, so, like, I think they, uh, yeah, they, they certainly uh, put it on once they did that and... Uh, you know, the eel, so the Knights did not score anything until the 80th minute um, when Heimel Hunt uh, went over for a consolation try. So, yeah, look, the Rabbitohs, yeah, so again, a team that's uh, won by 46 to 20, so 26-point victory, you know, a really good effort for them. But, you know, some a bit of improvement they will need as well because uh, obviously, 
you know, their stance haven't been that great. You know, even the Roosters led um, right at the start of the game as well. So I think they're kind of a, a click into the gear team. Uh, the other thing that is interesting is that obviously you know that things are going right at the Sydney South Sydney Rabbitohs where their coach Wayne Bennett is smiling and we saw him smiling during this game. Um, and, in fact, this is the second week in a row that he we saw him smiling this week. So, um, you know, things are happening, things are humming. I agree with you. I think Cody Walker is the form player in the competition at the moment. He is the most dangerous player in the competition at the moment from a, from a try-scoring perspective. You, you probably you know, got to be very careful about how you shut that down. Um, but it's not just him as well. There's, you know, Adam Reynolds has got a, a you know, a really remarkable kicking game, um, you know, and he's going to make sure that the Rabbitohs get into the right positions of the field with his kicking effort, you know. Then they've got the leading try scorer, Alex Johnston, to finish off the good work that happens with his halves in the middle. And then, you know, probably where a lot of people criticise the Rabbitohs is their young forward pack. You know, a lot of people think that they, you know, they're not experienced enough and they're not, uh, you know, doing doing that. But look, what you have seen is that um, that they have stepped up this season, and you know, in the final series, their forwards are doing what they need to do to be able to, uh, you know, become a real uh, force in the competition. And uh, you know, we've got to sometimes remember, like, we could always go back to these experienced players and say, oh, you know, what are they going to do without Sam Burgess, or what are they going to do without, you know, so and so. But I think this is a real opportunity for these young South City Robbers forwards to actually show uh, the NRL what they have and what they've got. And you become a great player by beating great teams and great great players. And uh, they outmuscled the incumbent, um, you know, Clemmer and uh, Saifidi and, you know, New South Wales forward pack. You know, let's, let's not take that away from them. Um, from a Newcastle point of view, you know, they've got a roster that should do better, I believe. Um based on, you know, the signings and everything. And, look, this year they finally made it to the finals after such a development. But it was a little disappointing to see how they actually finished up this season, I've got to say. Um, there is probably still more – they're probably lacking um, an extra half in a way, like, you know, maybe the dummy half or a, a better option for Mitchell Pierce at 5A um, because they just don't seem – you know, a bit like the Eels, but maybe at a, a bit more of a lower level as well. They don't seem to be able to arrest momentum back once they've handed it over to their uh, opposition. And uh, at halftime, you know, there was a different tactic with their coach, Adam O'Brien. He did try and stir them up. Um, He was uh, sort of turning his back to them and then turning around and getting very animated. And uh, we actually saw, you know, we talked about Wayne Bennett smiling. You know, we saw, you know, um, Adam O'Brien sort of dancing, I think it was. I don't know what it was. And, uh, Trent Robinson, of course, getting very passionate. And, you know, and this is the reason why the Melbourne Storm have been so strong is that you saw um, Craig Bellamy getting angry at his players for winning. So, <laughs> I think I think that's the type of coach you need in the NRL. Just somebody that, that doesn't celebrate anything. What do you think, Dr. Lee? Yeah, I mean, look, that can be a, a recipe for disaster in some hands. <laughs> But if you just if you listen to what I said earlier, you contrast it with what you know some of us cynical Eels fans have been seeing from Brad Arthur, and, and there's a bit of a, a red flag there, where he's just not the type of person to. He looks cranky, but he's not the type of person to kind of really uh, 
sort of be seem seemingly be honest about where what the team needs to do. Like very often he's been saying, and I think I've mentioned this many times in the podcast and in the past, especially this year. You know, when things aren't going quite right, he seems to come out with, uh, "Don't know what's going on. I don't know what we." You know, like it's almost like he has no idea what he needs to do. And yeah. that's a bit of a concern. Whereas what you want is a, a coach that sort of says, I know what we need to do. We just need to get discipline and focus on this. And, you know, because even if he's wrong, at least he sounds right. <laughs> he sounds confident. And at least you've got something to go on. I mean, at the very least, if you start saying things like, I don't know what, what went wrong, you it, it sounds like you don't even want to stick to the basics like at the very least Bellamy gets his I mean the reason why his team is clinical is he gets his team to stick to the basics and and realize mm-hmm. that look you know even if he feels like you know in private in behind closed doors he's got his secret idea about why his team what he te- his team needs to do to improve at least publicly he can say we need to complete our sets we need to do this we need to do that it's very clear you know there's no mucking around and 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 at least you know that even if he's got other things up his sleeve, at least what he's saying publicly is still right, that they need to do work harder, basically. And so I think this is the thing, just to sum up, you know, the week one of the finals, I think the teams that didn't quite make it in uh, in that first round, uh, you know, well, those who are still surviving, I mean, like the Eels and the Roosters, you know, they've got a bit of a back-to-the-drawing-board type situation at the moment. And it's not that they can't do it, but I think... They just need to really uh, get back to, you know, in the Roosters' case, get back to what what got them the success in the first place. Let's not forget they are the two-time champions going for a three-peat. This is a once-in-a-generation type team. Um, and they don't really look like they're setting the world on fire. And they almost pulled out a miracle upset ambush win against the Panthers. And to me, that was uh, that would have been... Uh, the opportunity to do it, but they didn't because they've had quite a few injuries and all sorts of things going on and they haven't really been doing their best. So, look, let's leave it there because we are going to talk about re- round two, or week two of the final. So shall we get into tackle number two? Let's do it. All right, tackle number two, Roosters versus Raiders is the first match. I believe it is on the Friday, Friday the 9th of October. It's a... Um, you know, it's one of those Friday night football games. Uh, this will be a cracker because it is, even though it's fourth versus fifth in terms of the um, uh, the, uh, the 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 ladder at the end of the season, we are talking about the grand final rematch. Neither team is where they were last year. <laughs> They're obviously uh, both teams are a bit of a, a step down from where they would have been at this time last year in terms of their their ability, their enthusiasm, etc. But let's not forget, when it comes to finals, experience counts a lot more than you realise. And so a lot of these players, you know, would have been there last year, would have learned from their mistakes. Uh, and although you do have some obvious changes in the Roosters with no Cooper Cronk anymore. So they've had to sort of adjust to a Cooperless um, existence this year. But, you know, they've still got their main players. In fact, this week they're going to have the return of uh, who they're going to have. Daniel Fafida is coming back, Lachlan Lamb, um, and and I guess Sonny Bill as well is coming in this week. So 
Look at look who else they got. They've got James Tedesco. They got Mor- Well, the Morris twins are going to be there. Luke Kiry, Kyle Flanagan. They've got as strong a squad as they would have had all year. You know, Cordner, Crichton, Lou, Takiaho. Jake Friend is coming back in hooker, and I think that is probably the key uh, there is that he is such an experienced hooker there. Um, and then, obviously, you've got on the other side, in the Raiders, you've got players like Jared Croker, Jordan Rapiner, Jack Whiten at 5'8 has made a huge difference this year. Uh, at 5'8, um, we've got Papali in the front, John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead. You know, you've got some of the, the the same sort of names. And let's not forget on the interchange bench, the Roosters have Mitch Orbison and Sonny Bill Williams. So, look, all in all, um, you know, I was more impressed with what the Roosters did in week one than what the Raiders did. Um, both teams exhibited uh, this kind of uh, this sense that they can turn on the switch in the you know the middle part of the second half and I think that is a good sign for both teams I honestly don't know this could go either way because the Roosters are absolutely beatable at this point and the Raiders are one of the teams that are able to do that um, the Roosters have not been unbeatable or did not have that aura that they did in the last couple of years so the, the you know the paradigm has changed a little bit. The Panthers are, have won the minor premiership, one of the first non-Storm and non-Roosters team to have won it for a long, long time. So Roosters are would are, you know would be likely to be favourites. I think they're favourites with the bookies by quite a bit. But don't discount the Raiders. I think the Raiders are possibly in with a chance, uh, a very good chance. I think um, even though they're playing at the Sydney Cricket Ground. On Friday, I think it'll be a pretty good, good day. Pretty good, a uh, bit, bit dewy in that kind of uh, that kind of ground, and so that could favour the Raiders a little bit. It could slow down the play a little bit. But Tish, look, I think the Roosters will win this one, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders did. This will be a lot closer than what the bookies are predicting. I think, Tish, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, quite an exciting fixture this one because it is, as we talked about, the grand final replay of last year, and um, you know, so if I firstly, if I if I make the case for the Roosters, obviously, you know, the fact that they're back to back winners um, and uh, three time grand finals. Let's not forget that they were also, um, you know, they lost to the Storm on the on the previous grand final as well. Did they? Maybe I might be wrong there, but anyway. But look, that's uh, you know, they're, they're sort of they they know how to get the job done, and they've got a roster that's done it before. And you know, look, despite. Um, their poor performances over the few last few weeks. They've got so much class uh, in their in their team that you wouldn't expect them to have, you know, three bad games in a row. Shall we say? We, you know, three losses for this Rooster squad in a row would be uh, pretty pretty rare, I've got to say. So, um, yes, I know it's been a long season. I know that we're in unusual circumstances, but you know, it is it is a matter of tough to to keep on beating this team. Um, so they will be better, and I think they'll will be stronger than what they were against the Panthers. Um, you know, and look, let's not forget that they also scored quite early in both their games over the last few weeks. And they, when they have been on fire, they've been, they've been humming. They've been humming pretty strongly. They've got a great experience forward pack. They lead the way in, in many different areas. Um, probably the, you know, probably the, uh, you know, obviously not, ha- uh, you know, not having Jake Friend last week was, a, you know, made a big impact. 
on you. I think they were called for a couple of forward passes, a couple of plays didn't like go their way. And I think uh, having Jake Friend, that reliable dummy half, um, you know, is a big key for them. Now, if I make the case for the Raiders, <laughs> I just have to go back to last year's grand final and just everything that happened with that six again rule, uh, ruling that went against them and how, you know, they looked like they were going to be premiership winners and then it sort of all unraveled for them. Uh, I don't think there hasn't been a day uh, this season where Ricky Stewart has not reminded their players of what happened last year, right? So I think the motivation uh, is going to be there for the Raiders, no doubt. Um, I mean, let's not forget that uh, the rules have kind of changed to not allow this situation to kind of not happen again. I mean, the six again rule has a little six again uh, ruling has now become a six again rule, you know, where, uh, you know, and then also, you know, the captain's challenge and a few other things, you know, it's very, it points back to, you know, we're in a grand final situation and what if the referees get it wrong and we don't even have referees anymore. We have referee getting it wrong. So, um, you know, so, so that, you know, I suppose that moment that changed everything for rugby league last year is, is kind of, um, going to be on the minds of the Raiders this year. And I think Ricky Stewart also, you got to remember, he's also the former uh, coach of the Roosters um, who, who won a grand final with them. Um, and then, you know, there's probably a, a bit of bad on there, and I'm pretty sure Ricky Stewart has reminded, and, you know, all of, all of Ricky's players love Ricky, so I know that would play on their minds too. Um, they've got a forward pack that will match anybody's. If you've got uh, Papali... In your squad, you've got, you know, uh, Soliola and a few really, really great players. A couple, you know, lots of Englishmen out there. There's some camaraderie in this uh, Canberra pack. And the other thing about Canberra Raiders is that they've been a hot and cold team this year. Let's, let's, they've had some poor performances. They've had some absolutely stunning performances. But they're a team that could turn things around very quickly. And I think we've seen that all throughout this year. So um, I just think, uh, you know, normally you pick habit over motivation. But I just think that motivate I think these two two teams are are on a level playing field at the moment. And I think the motivation, the extra motivation that the Raiders have in beating the Roosters over what the Roosters might have of of just, you know, avenging last week, well, you know, the Raiders are avenging something that's uh, defined them over a year. So um, I think that in a way is gonna give Canberra just you know, a bit more extra sting in their tackles, a bit more extra uh, oomph in their, uh, you know, attack sort of thing. They're going to run for that extra meter. They're going to fight every tackle. And I think when you do that to the Roosters, the Roosters, I don't I don't think like it. That's exactly what Pan- uh, the Panthers did. And as a result, I think Canberra is going to do what I'd say is the impossible, and that's beat the Roosters three in a row, uh, back to back to back. Oh, the irony, it's great. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. All right, the uh, the next <laughs> next tackle is the next game: Eels versus Rabbitohs. Here we go. All right, so if you look at the bookies, what are the bookies saying? Well, and I've, well, let, let's start with the first thing. So it's a Saturday night game at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, Eels coming third in the season, and Rabbitohs sixth. So not surprising that our top six is the top six. Third versus six here. Look, the bookies seem to be favouring the Rabbitohs by quite a bit. 
which surprises me a little bit because, you know, if you look at the quality of opposition that they needed to play, I think the Eels showed that they, by matching it with the Storm up until, you know, up until the point at which any team would be uh, demolished by them, they still were able to keep keep in touch with them and do what they need to do, but unfortunately let it slip. I don't know if the Rabbitohs are capable of doing that if they get if they get to that point. I think they, uh, with the exception of last week, again a huge anomaly uh, against the, the Roosters. Um, you know, you would have expected that they would have gone on with it in a sudden death semi-final, but. Like I said, they were losing. They were trailing the Sharks at halftime in that sudden death match. So I would say the shine has gone out a little bit from the Rabbitohs. I'm very surprised that the bookies are deserting the Eels. One of the reasons might be that we've got a major, major injury. Mike Acevo, uh injured, of course. Um, a real shame there. But if you look at... Uh, uh, who replaced him? I believe it's George Jennings uh, yeah. in on the wing. Uh, is that was Siva on the wing? I, I believe he was. Yes, but, that's right. Um, you know, obviously Ferguson on the other side, but George Jennings is no slouch. And look, you've got the Jennings brothers, Michael mm-hmm. and George, which will be a very very interesting uh, scenario here. First time ever in a semi final, I believe. Um, and so this is crunch time now for the Eels. They up until this point, they we don't know what uh, how they would perform under sudden death sort of conditions, um, and and so this will be a new thing for us. So it's hard to tell. But look, they've got all of the main ingredients there that they've we've seen them perform successfully this year. We've got Dylan Brown there. I think is very important. Reagan Campbell Gillard in the front. Uh, Reed Marnie's there. Um, you know, Nathan Brown is there as an enforcer. Clint Gutherson is there. The only difference is that we don't have Mike Acevo, and then that could be a huge, huge loss to them. But having said that, in the latter half of this season, he hasn't really had the same impact that he had in the beginning of the season. So I don't know if it will change the current sort of status quo too much. But look, I'm tipping the Eels to win this one. I think uh, if you look at... If you look at the, I should talk about the, uh, the the Rabbitohs. You look, they've got the key to me is Cody Walker and what is he able to do as the X factor there at five eighth. He's got absolute guns outside of him in uh, Alex Johnson, Campbell Graham, Dane Gagai, Jackson Paulo. I mean, look with that kind of a backline, <laughs> a young, quick backline, with the exception of Gagai, you know, pretty young and quick. Look. Anything can happen. Um, they've been performing very well in the last few few games, and momentum means a lot in semifinals. But so does uh, defence, and for that, yeah. I would worry about if I was a Rabbitohs fan because when it counts, when defence is uh, when they're met with a strong defence, they they do struggle a little bit. So, Tish. Um, I'm tipping the Eels. I think that the Eels have what it takes. It's their home ground. Uh, that's another factor, potentially, in, in what happened against the Storm. They were at uh, the Storm's second home base at Suncorp Stadium last week. Um, not so. This time they're at their, in their cauldron, Bankwest Stadium. They're familiar, back to familiar ground. I think uh, I'm, I'm surprised the bookies are tipping against them. So, Tish, uh, have I missed something? Have I got... 
blue and gold uh, colored glasses on, am I not seeing the same thing that others are seeing? Let me know. Yeah, well, um, yeah, this will be a tough one. <laughs> I've got to say it's a tough one to predict because you have two teams that have had some, some pretty good form, I've got to say, over the last few weeks in terms of the Eels and obviously some very good form, uh, you know, in the, you know, in the Rabbitohs. But you've got to think, when will this Rabbitohs train end? Uh, because it is very hard to beat top-line teams four weeks in a row. And if you actually go back and look at what they've played, you know, this is their, you know, the, you know, the last week they played the Knights, the week before it was the Roosters. So this is their third game playing a top-eight team. So I think that is is a bit of a factor for the Rabbitohs. Uh, on the flip side, so earlier this season, they did play each other and uh, the Rabbitohs actually uh, handed... The Eels, the you know, a pretty embarrassing scoreline was thirty-eight zero actually. Um, you know, uh, earlier this season, I think that's probably uh, you know the most points conceded by oh no, uh, no, yes it is the most points conceded by Parramatta uh, this season, other than what they well thirty-six twenty-four last week as well. So, um, having said that, though, look, I think that the Eels' defense is going to be a lot stronger than what uh, the defences the Rabbitohs have had to play with the Knights and with uh, the Roosters. So I think from a defensive point of view, I think the Eels can match as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the Rabbitohs, like that last con- cons- consolation try, we might not think much of it because, you know, they're, they're so far ahead sort of thing. But it does show a little bit in terms of attitude, I believe. And I think that you really need to start producing 80-minute professional performances you know, you really can't get too carried away until you actually have the grand final. So I think having these blowout scores, in a way, could be a bit of a negative as well because, uh, you know, the team like the Eels, they've actually had some really hard-fought contests of late. And, um, you know, with the contests that they've had, you know, I think they've been a bit more battle-hardened in terms of what they need to do to, to win. I mean, if you look at it, you know, they, you know round 19, 26-12, over the Broncos, uh, 28-24, then 36-24. So they've had some pretty tough games that they've had to uh, overcome, uh, you know, in the last month or so. And I think that's actually put them in good, uh, you know, good stead to try and, uh, you know, beat the Rabbitohs because, yeah, they're a lot used to playing closer games. Um, so, yeah, so I, th- I think the Rabbitohs for me is going to be, uh, you know, a big, a big sort of, uh, yeah, I think the Rabbitohs, I'm going to get to Parramatta. I think I think the I think Parramatta have got. I think they've been building to this, and quite honestly, this is their season, right? This is this is their moment. This is kind of like their grand final in a way. Like their grand final's come early a little bit. This is what they've sort of been preparing for their whole, um, you know, their whole season. And if uh, Brad Arthur can can get his team up for it, then I think they can do it. Um, on the other hand, I think the Rabbitohs. I think yeah. You could see them, you know, lose, you know, going down sort of fourteen nil to the to the Knights at the start, conceding that try at the end. Yes, they've got such a great attack when they put it together, but uh, they're known for sort of their lapses. So I just wonder if the Knights had enough skills to sort of rein it back in. I wonder how they would have reacted, and I think that's the, I think that's a test that I think Parramatta have got a better chance of showing them which is why I'm going to tip the Eels. I think the Eels can do it. All right. Yeah, and, and like you did mention the previous matches, of course, uh, 
Look, in the last five games that the Eels played, as you said, look, they've only really lost to the Storm and the Panthers. They had a tight win against the Warriors, tight, well, a bit of a flogging of the Broncos and a tight win against the Tigers. But if you compare it to the Rabbitohs, they've, I guess, a, a tight loss to the Storm, a tight win against the Tigers, obviously the anomaly last week and uh, against the Roosters, they also lost against the Bulldogs the week earlier. So, so look, <laughs> I don't know how you could end up looking at that form guide and saying, geez, the Rabbitohs should be favourites <laughs> because, like I said, if you look at the, the quality of opposition in that first round of the NRL final series, uh, you would think that the fact that the Eels stuck with the Storm as long as they did is uh, a, a little bit better than a, an, a flogging of the Knights. Uh, and only then in the second half. So anyway, we may be wrong, but uh, let's see how we go. So let's wrap that one up. Let's move on to other news in the NRL or beyond the NRL. Uh, here we go. Tackle number four. All right. So Queensland news this time. The Maroons have confirmed that Wayne Bennett will coach them in the series this year. So no longer will we see Kevin Walters uh, or is that next year's season? No, I think that's this year. Um, yeah. So, look, a big, big news there. Tish, what do you think? What are your thoughts on Wayne Bennett uh, back on the Maroon throne? Yeah, well, look, to be honest, I think this is uh, this is a poor... Uh, okay, my whole thing with Queensland is that Queensland tend to win these series when nobody expects them to win. And at the moment, all the news media has been about how good New South Wales are and, you know, how lack of options Queensland have, how none of their teams made the top eight. And, you know, they've got injury scares left, right and centre. And, you know, they might need to, you know, pick Greg Inglis. They might need to ask Cameron Smith to come back from origin retirement. They might need to do this. They might need to do that. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of been a bit sort of, uh, you know, sort of all blues talk. Now, all of a sudden, they have, uh, you know, rehired the master, Wayne Bennett, the king of state of origin in terms of a coaching point of view for Queensland. And, you know, he is uh, very good at the sort of us versus them mentality. So he And he has got plenty of fuel. And I believe that uh, as we get closer and closer to the state of origin, he will get more fuel that he could fire up that Queensland spirit Um and that is a bit of a dangerous line because we don't want that Queensland spirit because that Queensland spirit normally means disaster in the last minute. So I think it's a great appointment for New South Wales. I think it makes sense that Kevin Walters, even though he probably was reluctant to do so, probably needed to step aside to focus on the, the Broncos because, you know, that's a club that needs, you know, uh, a lot of soaring out. Not even uh, Kari, uh, what's her name? Uh, you know, Mary Kondo can, uh, can sort out that mess. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, with Wayne Bennett, I think it's a, it's the right appointment he wants to be, and apparently he had a, a really good presentation for them as well. So um, we'll see how they go. Um, but I think I think it's danger sign just how um, you know uh, sort of confident the Blues are at the moment. I, I don't think they need to be that because Queensland is still going to have quite a lot of class in their team, and uh, they're going to have a team that that can beat uh, New South Wales for sure. Tish, uh, look, normally I'd say, yep, this is exciting news. Uh, this is a 
this this could be the year that Queensland ambushes New South Wales and turns the tide back again in their favour. But then I look at the pure stats and the numbers and look, the last time Wayne Bennett coached the Maroons, he was 53 years old and that was in 2003. <laughs> he is now 70 years old Wow! in 2020. He hasn't coached them for 17 years. Wow. Look, there's two ways to look at this, Tish. One way is, you know, look, you're talking about the Queensland spirit. Look, nothing – those of us spirit connoisseurs know that spirit tastes better with age. If you age in the right sort of uh, Wayne Bennett oak barrel – you know, your 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 whiskey uh, really does age after 17 years, just to the point where it's uh, nicely distilled, nicely, uh, it's very, very good, full of flavour and nice and smooth. Uh, unfortunately, this isn't about, <laughs> about whiskey. This is about rugby league and this is about, you know, one of admittedly, you know, self-admitted, one of the toughest kind of coaching gigs is coaching in state of origin does he have what it takes physically after a long weird season uh in covid uh especially if the rabbitos either go all the way or go close to all the way you know he will have been coaching a pretty long season um and then on top of that has to uh fire up again for queensland so look i wonder whether that is a you know, a smart move. You did say that he he impressed the the selectors by uh, with his presentation. Um, it's probably just as well he got his son-in-law to do the PowerPoint for him, because mm. uh, I don't think he would be as adept at these kind of elevator pitches as some of the young younguns are, in terms of the new coaches coming through the new coaching breed. He is a pretty much an old school coach. He's a people manager type coach. Um, having said that. This could be a genius move because if, mm. you, if you're looking at how poorly performed the Queensland teams have been this year, mm. you know most of the of the squad will have not tasted much success this year. You obviously will have players from the Storm, etc., and others that are have been there and can mentor them, even if they're not actually on on the field. There's plenty of mentors, and the 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 strength of that Queensland kind of mentoring and spirit. Uh, mm. The old, uh, the old, the old guard, the old boys, is definitely very strong with Queensland, much more so than New South Wales. And so, it could be that all they need him to do is to come in and provide that inspiration to the young players to remind them, you know, maybe they need a bit of discipline uh, that they haven't been getting in uh, in the NRL, and maybe it just needs a bit of a push, bit of a old boys guard to come in and sort of remind them what they're playing for. And, you know, all they've got to do is fire up for three games and and possibly, possibly as you said, just as uh, his genius move in 2003 when he brought back Alan Langer from England to surprise the Blues and win that um, State of Origin series, possibly his presence will be a genius move. It, time will tell. As we get closer to the, uh, the match, the series, uh, we will definitely have a look at it. But I would say... I'm a bit. There's a bit of a red flag that he hasn't really been at that coaching at that level for quite some time, and 
this could work against him. Um, yeah. You know, he totally missed that uh, that that whole 11, 12 years sort of golden period as well. That was all <laughs> under Mel Meninga. So, but that's true. Who, who, by the way, is Australian test, uh, you know, Australian coach and uh, applied for this role as well. Which, uh, Very like, interesting. Uh, no, conflict, no conflict of interest there, right? No, that's probably why. Well, it's probably why they decided against him. So, yeah. Look, look um, I've, I've got to say this, Doctor T. You've got to remember our training, right? You know when, you know when Frodo uh, needed a guide. You know who did the uh, Fellowship of the Rings pick? They picked Gandalf, right? The old man who knew the way. You know <laughs> when, when Harry Potter needed guidance. You know Professor Dumbledore was there the whole way. You know. Um, you know, when the Karate Kid needed a mentor, Mr. Yamagachi, he was there to guide the way, right? What Hollywood has taught us, right? You know, like Doc, you know, in Back to the Future, you know, like, uh, you know, this, this, you know, like, like Clint Eastwood, like Wayne Bennett himself in Gran Turismo, you know, when, when you know, when, when the, the young men, when they're off their rails, when they're uh, when they need some guidance, when they need to find the way to victory, you know, you've got to rely on that old wizard coming back. And this is the role that Wayne Bennett uh, is there, you know. Even even Luke Skywalker needed uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, you know. This is he's the Obi Wan for Queensland here to reignite that force, you know. And uh, I suppose Luke Luke Skywalker did it for you know young Ray there, right? With uh, well, kind of did it, kind of not. It was kind of all weird. But you know what I'm saying. Um, you sort of get the drift sort of thing. And you look at the other team, you know, they didn't really have um, that mentoring role. You know, Snoop kind of died pretty early and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think in the end uh, this is a very wise move by the uh, Lords of Queensland Rugby League. All right, we'll leave it there. And let's move on to tackle number five. Here we go. All right, a big announcement in the world of Rugby League World Cup. Tish, who has been made an ambassador for the 2021 Rugby League World Cup? Yes, well, um, big news coming out of the Rugby League 2021 uh, World Cup uh, sort of planning and so forth. Uh, just to let everybody know, uh, despite COVID, there has been no pushback on the 2021 start date for the Rugby League World Cup. But in other news, um, you know, Adam Hills, the host of Channel 4's last leg, um, and who actually plays physical disability rugby league, uh, the PDRL for Warrington, uh, you know, joined uh, former English internationals Luke Gell, James Simpson, and Jody Cunningham, and former captain Kevin Sittenfield. Uh, to raise the awareness about the tournament's profile. So he has been made an official ambassador ambassador of the 2021 World Cup to raise awareness of the World Cup, obviously to help with tickets and help, uh, you know, help in terms of, you know, promoting the game and so forth. So Adam Hills, you know, a very lovable comedian in Australia, very top, top name, you know, he's like a headline act here. He's a headline act in the UK, um, you know, people see his show. He's got celebrities on his show. So even in other countries outside of, uh, you know, the two two or three big rugby league nations, people know who Adam Hills is. Um, you know, he's been to the Montreal comedy show. So I'm sure, you know, um, you know, can, you know, uh, you know, sort of sort of uh, get some, um, you know, French support going as well. 
Um, so, so look, um, yeah, so he's been named as an ambassador. Um, Adam Hills also represented Australia in the draw um, that was held at Buckingham Palace. Um, and he said, um, with the men's and women's and the wheelchair tournaments happening simultaneously for the first time ever, you know, the Rugby League World Cup has a unique platform to grow our sport to a new level and be part of a huge celebration uh, when hopefully life will be back to normal. So, yeah, look, Rugby League World Cup, I think it's going to be a, a tremendous event. And I think it's great to see, um, you know, Adam Hills, who I think grew up in Melbourne, not really growing up in a rugby league town. Um, you know, he, he's got a pathway into playing rugby league, even despite his physical disability, um, and has grown to love the sport over in the UK. And I think it's great to see him involved in rugby league, particularly when he's got a uh, Channel 4 show um, in England that, that, that will definitely uh, help uh, promote the, the World Cup. What do you think, Dr. T? Yeah, absolutely. What a good move to have an Aussie <laughs> who's uh, who's kind of living over there in England promoting the game as well. I think it's a smart move to not just uh, keep it to English players, former English players, and to actually broaden the scope of uh, the celebrities involved. Um, one thing that's interesting, Tish, is, uh, you know, obviously his association with the physical disability rugby league team is uh, or that, that sort of brand of football is is awesome as well. He's actually walking walking the walk, so to speak. He's doing what he what he can do, not just uh, from afar, but actually getting involved and in playing the game, which is really superb. I didn't know that that he was actually playing the game. I thought he was just, uh, you know, he was just sort of supporting it from afar. But but obviously a very well deserving ambassador for the game, and it looks like he's got some passion there as well, which is great. One thing that's interesting, Tisha, we've we often overlooked, uh, you know, we, we, rugby league, if nothing else, has been quite innovative compared to some of the other sports, and it's needed to be to separate itself, you know, from from rugby union, from the tether of rugby union in the past. Sometimes it feels like it doesn't, it, it forgets its innovative past. Um, this year we've seen with the NRL, uh, you know, a bit more of that innovation coming back with some new, really exciting rules being trialled. One thing I'd like to see, Tish, we talk about a lot how terrible the uh, entertainment is at big events, especially grand finals and things like that. Something that we've totally overlooked because we, we tend to just assume we're going to have like, you know, ACDC and you know, rock bands and things like that. Why can't we have comedians? I mean, no one loves more than a bit of a laugh while you're having your beer, you know. Why why not have a stand-up comedian mm. chucking some jokes at you just before a big game? You know, you can have your music, you can have your Metallicas or whatever. But, you know, Adam Hills, he is a well-known comedian, world-renowned comedian. Put him up there with with a microphone. <laughs> get him to rip into the teams, you know, have have a bit of a laugh, get people really excited. You know, this is something that I don't think I've ever seen at any kind of uh, professional, you know, kind of um, a sporting game. You see a lot in kind of, especially in some of the American sports, you know, you've got your cheerleaders and you've got, you know, rugby league, we've got the, the, with the Rabbitohs, the drums and all that kind of thing. You've got in other sports, you've got kind of acrobats, You've got, you know, people on bikes and skateboards sort of in NBA showing some showing off their moves, all sorts of things. But what you don't see is a comedian getting up there, mm. getting the people warmed up, 
And that's kind of yeah. what their role is. The main event is a sporting fixture. Why not get people who are the best at warming the crowd up? And that's a comedian. What do you think, Tish? Yeah, look, um, on the surface, I think it's a great idea. I just, um, <laughs> I think you have to read the audience because, you know, certain rugby league crowds I've been to, um, you know, with a bit of alcohol, um, some, you know, taking care of kids, um, long day, you know, it's sort of November, hot in the sun, you know, I'm just thinking about the grand final here. Um, and then, you know, you've got one comedian trying to entertain 80,000 fans uh, <laughs> who've got mixed experiences. <laughs> what, what, I don't know how, how how that would go. I think it's a challenge. I think if there's anybody that can do it, I think it's either uh, – it's probably Jerry Seinfeld and, or Adam Hills. Um, well, someone like the, Adam Hills, he's not, he's not renowned for – like he's – he can do PG rated, yeah. That's why comedy, think, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which which might well get, go for the kid, but you know, like I said, it's a very mixed audience that you do get in the rugby league. Picture at times. What would be good is um, I could see him do something like, a, and I've been part of this experience at a grand final before. You know, the Millennium Room where you've got like sort of um, you know sort of corporate guests, and you bring them in for like a dinner, and then you have them talk. I think that would be great. And I think, as you said, to stir up the crowd um, with a bit of insults here and there, you'd probably what you want to have is two comedians, I would say, uh, one for either team sort of thing going back and forth, a bit like a, a rap battle or something like that. Uh, I think something like that could go down well. Um, he did play against South City, so I think uh, that would be interesting if South City made it to the grand final all the way, whether you, know, you could sort of get a counterpart to sort of um, sort of get him on the other end sort of thing, that would be uh, a pretty hilarious sort of thing. So, look, I think from that point of view, I think it would be great. Um, so, yeah, look, it's 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 an interesting idea. I think, as you said, right, rugby league is best when it's innovative, and I think this could be part of, part of uh, the innovation that we could bring into the game. Because I think, you know, pre-COVID, I think we were kind of a bit stagnant a bit with what we were doing. Now we've have an appetite to change things around, and I think it's it's all been proven as a success. So maybe this might be the next step: um, is uh, stand up comedy and rugby league, stand up league. All right, let's and let's work on that a little bit. We'll work on that idea and get back to you. How about that? Yes. All right, let's get into our final tackle, and it is uh, the Challenge Cup final preview. So here we go. All right. So last weekend we saw Salford. Uh, defeating Warrington, uh, a late win over Warrington, which uh, which was twenty four to twenty two, was the final score, and it's the first final that, uh, that for fifty one years that the Salford Red Devils have reached. So well done to them for reaching their Challenge Cup final, and Leeds produced a. A wet weather masterclass against the Wigan Warriors, winning that game 26 to 12 in that semi final. And basically, we will see the Leeds Rhinos and Salford Red Devils on October 17th. So it's a couple of weeks away, but we thought we'd do an early preview. Um, obviously, at the traditional Wembley Stadium. Tish, I'm just going to go through some of who, uh, you know, some of the main players in each of the squads. Uh, you know, some of them will, will be familiar to us uh, and to the listeners out there, some of them not so much. So the, the key players here that some people will be familiar with in the Salford Red Devils are uh, Krishnan Inu, 
who uh, wow. obviously used to play for the Eels uh, mm. almost a lifetime ago. Sound that song, ago. why don't you come join my party? Is that her? Him? Sorry. <laughs> What's that, sorry? Why don't you come join my party? Is that her? Him? Sorry. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> look, maybe, maybe. And look, twenty, look, 2009, I think he was actually... He was uh, in the grand final for the Eels. So he's got some NRL grand final experience as well. We've got Lola here as well there in 5'8". Who else we got? We've got Joey Lussick of the Lussick family fame, obviously. And uh, obviously Paulie Paulie is there as well. So we've got got some big players there. I'm just trying to look if there's anyone else. Let's not forget son of the great um, Gardner, uh, you know, Greg Burke, <laughs> right, and uh, famous poet Luke Yates as well for uh, Salford. And, of course, there's a Mossop. There's Lee Mossop there. I have yeah. no idea if he's at all a relation to to the famous Rex Mossop, but, you know, you never know. But, look. Yeah, the, and the, let's not forget, you know, Mrs. Chamberlain's baby boy, Ed Chamberlain. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do not go there. Okay, look, look. Um, Look, and, and so, you know, you've got look some familiar players. I must admit not to knowing much about. But, look, I think Lola here is the key here at 5'8". He's had some NRL experience, I believe, and he's he's kind of... He's Heading to the Warriors player. next year as well, actually. Oh, is he? Okay, there you go. So he is a star player. Oh, um, no, he's not. So that's somebody else. Sorry about that. Oh, isn't he? Okay, there you go. <laughs> we take that back. <laughs> but, look, Leeds Rhinos obviously also has some players that are familiar to us down under. Conrad Hurrell, obviously, is there. Robert Louis, remember him? Uh, he's at 5'8". Mm. Uh, Robert Louis. Uh, we've got Luke Gale there at halfback. We have a Melor. We have a Matt Pryor, obviously. People remember Matt Pryor. Um, and who else is there that, that we need to? Adam Cuthbertson is there as well. But look, wow. the key there is we've got a number 22 in the squad, Cameron Smith. Oh, my gosh. Probably no relation to Melbourne's Cameron Smith by the look of him. But, look, uh, you never know. But, look, you can't go wrong with a Cameron Smith in your side. I think when it comes to finals football, when it comes to big, big clutch games, I don't know if he will have a role there at all. But, look, I'm actually tipping Salford to win this one because I just think it's the kind of thing that, you know, first time they've been in the finals for – a whole two generations or if ever at all. And yeah. this, they have never tasted success at this level. So this is something that we really want to see. Uh, you know, it's been that kind of a year, Tish, that I think it would be fitting for a team that is this team still owned by uh, Marwen Kukash. Remember him? Is it, does yes. he still, he still owns this team. So, you know, in the year that, that the, uh, uh, the the uh, the demigod of uh, PVL is has taken over <laughs> the, the the NRL decision making. What would be more fitting than the uh, the absolute driving force behind innovation in the UK? Marwan Kukash has been. We've been talking about some of his ideas for many many uh, of our podcasts in the past. Would be so fitting if they win this one. Just to sort of cap off uh, the year that was, Tish, that's my hot tip, the Salford Red Devils, to win this one. It'll be a tight one, no doubt, but I think the motivation of the owner will be enough to get them over the line. What do you think there, Tish? 
Yeah, well, look, I think uh, this is this is kind of a, a very interesting sort of uh, situation. I think, uh, look, my, I, I am wanting Telford to win this. I believe they've actually won it before, um, but it was in 1938, which would be an amazing... Does it really count? Does it really count? <laughs> and um, look, I did, I did recently uh, listen to you know, a show about the history of it, and one of the things it did mention is that um, Salford was actually the first sort of non-Lancashire place, I think it was, that they held a final in as a as a sort of um, as a sort of like trying to expand the game into Ma- the Manchester area. I think Salford's kind of in that sort of uh, you know uh, near Manchester anyway. So they got to Salford. So you know that expansion policy of of uh, <laughs> Of uh, eighteen oh nineteen oh one has finally bought through um, in twenty twenty, um, one hundred twenty years later, the, you know the teams made it to the finals. I think it's a it's a great achievement. Um, you know the two top teams, obviously St Helens and Wigan over there in the Super League at the moment. So to have Leeds, you know, a, a club that's had uh, great success in the last one in twenty fifteen, to have them make it to the Challenge Cup final and to play Salford, you know, again another team that's uh, in the top flight, but look, not one of the the big teams at the moment, I think, is 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 really really good for the game over there, and um, you know, let's hope that they could get as many people as they can to the actual final within within COVID restrictions, and uh, you know, let's hope this will be a great game as well. I think some of these finals have been absolutely tremendous, and um, it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, who would be, you know, sort of the uh, you know the the player of the match and things like that. But look, the Challenge Cup, it is like what the oldest. Rugby league tournament around, I think. So uh, it'd be great to see, uh, yeah, as I said, Salford win it. Um, yeah, I think it would be absolutely tremendous. So uh, go Salford, I'd say. Go the Red Devils. Is, is that what they say over there? I don't know what they say. Probably, yeah. Look, would it, would it change your mind if I explained to you that the last time these two teams met, on the 29th of August, Leeds won 50-12? to 12. Would that change your mind? <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, Probably not. Look, look. Clearly, we don't know enough about <laughs> these these teams. But look, I think oh, look, miracles can happen, and and miracles should happen at Challenge Cup finals. This is what we we want to mm. see. Uh, obviously, the Leeds Rhinos would be red hot favourites for this one. But I would say, you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen at all. We're hoping for a miracle. Uh, just. You know, just just so we get another team, not just the same old teams that keep winning. Uh, so yeah, obviously our our head would say if you look at the the stats, the leads will win. But our heart tells us, let's see what the Red Devils can do. It will be good for them to get up on the winners board after 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is, <laughs> eighty years almost uh, that that they have won last won that Challenge Cup. So. There you go. All right. So that wraps up. Well, I should probably add that we've got the tips for the NRL. Obviously, we've. Uh, I think we're both tipping both. Uh, well, are we both tipping the Roosters and the Eels? No, I'm tipping the Raiders and the Eels. Oh, the Raiders and the Eels. Yeah. Look, I don't know. It's a tough one. I'm. I'm on the fence on that one, but I'm leaning towards the Roosters. So all Sydney for me, but you're going to split it. Uh, let's see what happens. With our tips, and obviously we're tipping. Well, not not this weekend. Next weekend we're going to see Salford potentially 
a minor miracle against the Leeds Rhinos. But we'll see how we go there. Look, that wraps up our podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, really jam-packed uh, episode. And next week will be more so when we talk about the grand final qualifiers. I look forward to the footy this weekend. I hope you guys do as well. Don't forget to catch us on Facebook, Twitter, on iTunes. And if you want to email us uh, any feedback, ourrepublic at gmail.com. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening out there. Um, but, look, that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.